Let's go ahead and open up this morning with a word of prayer, and we will get into uh, the message this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time that you've given to us. I thank you again, Lord, that we have an opportunity to learn of you. I pray, Lord, that as we endeavor to please you this morning through worship and through praise, that as we seek to fellowship together with uh, the food and the potluck that you've given to us, that, Lord, we keep one thing in mind, that this is all about you, that, Lord, this is done in a way to please and edify, uh, or to please you, Lord, that we would edify one another, that we would encourage, that, Lord, we would come together as, as, uh, as Christians and believers, Lord, to, to encourage one another. Uh, and, and, Lord, I just pray that this, this morning, that as we seek to do that, as we seek to, to worship you together, that, Lord, our hearts would be ready to receive this message. And that, Lord, it may be simple, it may be something that we already know, it may be something that may reveal something to us, but, Lord, above all, this morning, I pray that we would purpose to receive something from you. Whether it's one thing, multiple things, whatever it may be, Lord, it would be something, Lord, that makes a significant change in our life. To please you, to 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 do your will, to know you, and Lord, to very clearly fear you as you've asked us to do. And Lord, again, I just thank you for the time. Thank you for those that are here. And I pray, Lord, that this time would be honoring unto you with all that we do. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> I want you to turn in your Bibles to First Samuel chapter 12. First Samuel chapter 12. <clears throat> In 1 Samuel chapter 12, you have uh, Saul is right there, and he's being made king, the first king of Israel. Uh, this is obviously before David comes along. Uh, this is before Saul had turned his heart away from God. And we find that, that, that Saul says something that is very true, that is very pertinent. You know, when we think of Saul, King Saul in general, sometimes we just kind of, if you will, have this bad taste about the actions and the things that he did that were contrary to the Word of God, where he rejected the Word of God. But what we find is beforehand, that was not the case. He had a very different attitude. And what we find here in chapter 12 is we find that Saul is speaking. He's kind of giving this speech, talking to the nation of Israel as he's beginning to, to be that king that, they, um, that they've asked of God for. And, and, and here we find in, in the last part of this chapter, and I want us to look here at verse 20, um, where, where, where uh, Samuel's coming along and he's encouraging the 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 um the israelites to do what is right uh he's encouraging them to follow the things of god and we find in verse uh, 20 here in samuel speaking and he says and samuel said unto the people fear not ye have done all the, this wickedness yet turn not aside from the following the lord and what that was is they were desiring a king rather than to have god as their king but he says but to serve the lord with all your heart. And he says, And turn ye not aside, for then you should go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. He's, he's giving this encouragement. He's saying, look, now you've got your king, what you asked for, we, we addressed the fact that it was the wrong thing for you to do, but here we are with this at this point in time. 
And he said, what I want you to do, though, is I want you to continue to, 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 again, have the influence of God in your life. Serve him with all your heart. And he says, turn not aside. In verse 22, it says, for the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. And he's making it very clear. The Lord cares about them. The Lord loves them. The Lord has a desire for them. Look at what he says here in verse uh, 23. He says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. He says, I'm going to still pray for you. I'm still going to be here to teach you. And here he is beginning to teaching them the good and the right way. And look at what the good and the right way is. Verse 24, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. Now this is, this is a great passage of scripture. There's a lot of things to preach about. But what I want to focus on, and if you will, the title this morning is only fear the Lord. Now when we think about this and we think about what that means to fear the Lord, we understand that as we've been talking about in the book of Ecclesiastes, and we've been studying that on Sunday evenings, that, that that's part of what we are commanded to do. In Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. So we find two areas where God is very clearly saying to fear him. Now, in the process of doing some study for this, I came across uh, an article that was written very recently. And this individual was talking about counseling and, if you will, helping uh, young uh, adults, young Christian adults, and he said one of the reasons why we see them leaving churches in droves is because they don't understand one simple principle, which is how to fear God. They don't even know what that means. If I was to say fear God, many people would probably come up with all sorts of different uh, kind of conclusions about what they think it is and what they kind of suppose it might be. Uh, and, and generally, eventually it kind of comes down to this, well, well, it's about respect. Well, it's a lot more than that. There's so much more that is involved in, in fearing God that, that, that we have to realize the impact that it's going to have when we do that. Turn over to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 40. Psalm chapter 40. Now, I'm going to go through a few verses. And, and, and I know there's going to be a lot of them. Try, you know, again, try to keep up as best as you can. Uh, if not, just write down the reference. Um, and, and, uh, uh, and you can go back and take a look at it later. But, 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 but I want us to see something from Scripture. This, this concept of fear the Lord is a primary principle that God communicates throughout, throughout the Bible. So if we need to, if we're going to say we need to fear the Lord, if the nation of Israel is being instructed to fear the Lord, if Solomon is instructing us to fear the Lord, and we're going to find other areas that talk about fearing the Lord, we've got to know what that means. We've got to know what that means. See, we get into these Christian cliches, colloquialisms, if you will, and we say them, and we really don't even know what that means. We were talking about this actually on a Friday night with the men's Bible study. 
we were talking about it and talking about some of those things, uh, you know, some people will just say, well, you, you just got to trust God. Do we really even know what that means? Some people will say, well, you, 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 you got to, well, as we see here, fear the Lord. Do we really know what that means? Give it to God. What does that mean? Does he accept COD, FedEx, UPS, or do I have to use DHL? I mean, who, what does that mean? You know, again, I saw somebody else talking about this uh, the other day. Something about, you know, we use that cliche of God will not give you more than you can handle in some sort of form of comforting people. And, and this guy was arguing. He says, that's not really that comforting when you think about it. Right. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> and he's like, maybe we should stop saying it. Because you know what happens is we get into that automatic speech mode and we just pop out things. I've done it. I've done it before. I've inserted my foot in my mouth with those. Okay? I've made stupid comments that just, you know, they just kind of came out because it was, you know, the, 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 the file chooser chose the wrong file and threw it in there and it, belt, you know, out it comes. And you're just like, wow, did I really just say that? Yeah, you did. But, but when we talk about fearing the Lord, we got to know what this means. So take a look here what he says in Psalm chapter 40. In Psalm chapter 40, verse 3, and he says, talking about the Lord, and he hath put a new song in my mouth. We're not singing the same things that we sang beforehand. Even praise unto our God. Because that's the purpose of what our songs of our mouth are supposed to be. And look at what happens when we have that new song and we are singing it in our life. It says, many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Now look, we were singing earlier and we were singing a cappella. When I sing, I'm sure it probably inspires fear. Some people, they get fearful when they sing. I just get up here and I try to belt it out and, and, and I'm sure I probably drive my poor, poor Mike Griffey crazy with, with on tune, off tune, same tune, one tune, I, you know, whatever it is. I have no idea. I'm just, I'm just up there just singing. I, I don't care. It just doesn't matter. Whether, whether it's good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. More than likely it's ugly. So, you know, but when's the last time your song caused fear in the heart of a person? Godly fear. Not fear and trembling where a person is afraid, but this fear of the Lord that, that, that we're supposed to communicate. This is what we're supposed to be doing, by the way. If you're a born-again child of God, there should be a song that comes out of you in a way that people will fear God and they will trust Him. I mean, this is exactly what He says here in, in this passage, and shall trust in the Lord. And we'll talk about that trust in the Lord in our after potluck service. But I want us to focus here this morning on this fear of the Lord. This is what's supposed to happen. You know, our Christian life is supposed to demonstrate Jesus Christ. It's supposed to draw people to Jesus Christ. It's supposed to cause people to look at that and go, why is that different? That's not the normal worldly response. So what do I have to do? I have to, I have to make sure that that's there. So we ask this question specifically. What is it? What is fear? Now we know fear is an emotion. Absolutely. We know that. But 
But really, what is it when we talk about fearing the Lord? Some people have fears. Anybody afraid of heights? Just really don't care for it at all? Anybody afraid of flying? Nobody's going to mock you if you are. Trust me, those things fall out of the sky frequently. Anybody? (laughs) You're like, now I am. (laughs) Anybody afraid of driving on I-5 here in the Vancouver area in Portland? (laughs) Leslie's in the back. She's like, she's getting all Pentecostal. (laughs) Man, alive. It seems like I, I think COVID did something to somebody's mind, somebody's minds out there because they don't know how to drive. I'm probably one of them. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying is, is, is there's fears. Some people are, have irrational fears. The fear of the number 13. And I'm like, that's the most ridiculous thing. You know, when we were married, it was a Friday. Or excuse me, excuse me, it was the 13th. It was February 13th. You know when I proposed? It was February 13th. February 13 to me is a good, it's a good number. That's the day that I first saw my wife, by the way. February 13th. There's a whole story behind it. You gotta ask my wife about it. She tells it in better detail. <clears throat> but you understand, 13 is just a number, okay? Some people have an irrational fear of that. This is not what we're talking about. You do not have an irrational fear of God. That is not the spirit of fear that he talks about with Timothy. That one that God has very clearly not given us. But yet at the same time says we're supposed to fear him. Turn to Psalm chapter 111. Psalm chapter 111. I want to point some things out about this as we go to seek out a definition of what fear with fear of the Lord means. Psalm chapter 111, Psalm chapter 111 and verse 10, we see a very frequently used phrase in this verse. Psalm 110, or excuse me, 111 verse 10, it says, fear the Lord, excuse me, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments, his praise endureth forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, we, we, we understand that is repeated over in the book of Proverbs. It's repeated in Proverbs chapter 1. Turn there just quickly. Proverbs chapter 1. Just the next book over. Proverbs chapter 1 and then verse 7. <clears throat> Not only does he say it's the beginning of wisdom over there in Psalms, here he says in this same passage, uh, the fear of the Lord in verse 7, Proverbs chapter 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now very clearly here he's establishing a principle. It's the beginning. What we begin to find out about fear is that there's a revelation behind it. The more you know about God, that fear exists. Because it begins to show you where knowledge is. It begins to show you where wisdom is. It repeats it very similarly in in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. Turn to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. Take a look at this in verse 13. 
he gets more detail about what the fear of the Lord is. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. That's where it starts. Why? Because we understand that that is the same stuff that God hates. Yeah, it's okay to hate. It's okay to hate that. Why? Because that is sin. That's sinful behavior. Those things right there cause problems in people's lives. They cause separation of of relationships. That's the reason behind these mass murders you see. This is the reason why one man takes another man's life. This is the reason why somebody will go into a classroom and do that behavior of killing children. God hates that. He hates it. That's not something that God wants. And that's the reason why it exists. Because man has allowed it into their life. And they are not making the right decisions. They're not making the right choices. So you know what the right way to handle it is? Get more God into the classroom. Get more God into the government. Get more God into the family. Get more God into your life. That'll change it. But what we find here very clearly is we say that this is what he says. He says, the fear of the Lord is, is, it's to hate evil. You don't want to see harm. You don't want to see any of that. You All these things that we see here, they are evil. The evil way. He said, talks about it being pride. He talks about arrogancy. Man, we, you know, we, we, we don't like it when somebody gets arrogant. We don't like it when somebody all of a sudden just gets all, uh, uh, you know, puffed up in their chest about those things. Very clearly, what do we want to do? We want to move away from that person. And here God's saying, this is what the fear of the Lord is. We begin to see some more knowledge here. Turn, uh, turn over there to Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, where I, I just kind of quoted this somewhat, where it says, that, again, Proverbs 9, 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. The knowledge of the holy is understanding. Now we're talking about this knowledge again. We just received some knowledge of what it is and what what it contains, that it's things hating the things that are evil, because God hates the things that are evil. We're starting to know more about who our Savior is, who our God is, what he does not like. And we find here, it says very clearly, the knowledge of the holy is understanding. You want understanding in this life? Learn about who God is. Because that will change a lot of the ways you think. That'll change the way you think. And as you go over to Proverbs chapter 15, Proverbs chapter 15, a couple chapters over in verse 33, here's another is. The fear of the Lord is instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Interestingly enough, here he is, he's, he's connecting receiving instruction with humility. 
It is really hard to teach somebody that's filled with pride. It is really hard to correct somebody that is filled with pride. It is really hard to tell anybody anything when pride is their God. But here he makes it very clear here about what the fear of the Lord is, and he makes it very evident to us that it's the instruction of wisdom. Knowledge, wisdom, instruction, understanding, things that we receive from the Word of God about who He is. And all of those things, if you will, are revelations to us. It's revealing of truth. It's revealing of fact. It's revealing of principles. As I've said time and time again, you go to the, to the early schools and what do you, they begin teaching you? They teach you that one plus one is two. That's a fact. It is not up for discussion. Let's be clear with that. But you learn those basic facts. Why do you think that nobody wants to teach Facts today. Because knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and instruction will eventually lead you to the conclusion there is a God. It will lead you there. But here he makes it very clear there's instruction of wisdom. Turn over to Proverbs 16, just the next chapter over in verse 6. And here he says, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. You want to get rid of crime in this country? You want to get rid of crime in this, in this county? Mercy and truth is necessary. Okay? And it says, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Why is that? Because we understand who God is. God is just. God is holy. God is righteous. God is perfect. God is pure. God hates sin. Sin separated his creation from him. He hates it. He doesn't want to see it in a Christian's life. He doesn't want to see it in anybody's life. So you know what he did? He died on the cross. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He gave himself for our sins. That's how much he hated it. And how much more greater, if you will, his love is and his grace is. So as we begin to kind of get an understanding here, we begin to see some some patterns that are set up about what fear really is. And and fear, if you will, is this kind of sense of awareness that is caused by knowing that there is a great consequence. And what that does is that kind of, if you will, instills in us there's concern regarding what the outcome is going to be, and it drives us in a certain way. 
I'll say this again and kind of get a little more specific. But but fear is a sense of awareness that is caused by knowing that there are great consequences that are out there. Some people get afraid when they get up to speak. Why? Because they understand there might be great consequences. You know, when you realize that in light of who God is and you start talking about the fear of the Lord, isn't there... Uh, something that stirs within us, knowing who Jesus Christ is, knowing who our Savior and our God is, doesn't that kind of, if you will, put in our hearts and put in our minds that there is a great consequence that is at stake? And shouldn't it drive you and motivate you to decide and make a decision and a choice in your life that you want the best outcome Because of it? That's what fear is really supposed to do. But look, mankind has misused fear and, and, and it is, you know, just like anger and just like sadness and just like happiness, it's one of the things that man has abused. But this is really what it's about. Because the purpose behind it is it's supposed to drive us specifically to respond in a certain way from our heart. And how our heart responds based is going to be based on what we know. Why, why are people afraid of flying? Because they're afraid the plane's going to fall out of the sky. Why are people afraid of heights? Because they are afraid of falling because they know that if they fall, it's not going to feel good. Anybody ever fall? Ever? At college? Fall? <laughs> Never mind. <clears throat> but you understand, we, we fall. We don't want to fall. It hurts. We understand there's an outcome. We want the best outcome. So what do we do? We stay off a ladder. Right? It moved us to do something. It moved us to call a friend and say, hey, can you come do this for me? Because I don't want to get up on a ladder. Or we call a professional if we want it done right. <laughs> and we, I mean, that's what we do, right? We, we do these things because there's a fear that we, we understand and it motivates us to do something. It motivates us to problem solve. And what it's supposed to do is motivate us to look into our hearts and say, what is it that I know about God? And what is he going to say about this consequence and this situation? That's really what fear is about. That's what fearing God is about. And this, I mean, you go over to Psalm chapter 115, verse 13, and it talks about the fear of the Lord is a blessing. The people that fear the Lord get blessings in their life. You know what that means? That means that there are good consequences when we choose to fear God. When we choose not to fear God, there is an inverse principle of it's not going to end well for us. And it's not going to be a blessing. 
So as we begin to think about this and we begin to think about what Samuel said over there, uh, specifically about only fear the Lord and serve him with truth in your heart, we realize that fear of God and the reason why it's so important in our life is because, number one, it, it causes us to know more about him. If you want to fear, truly fear God, you have got to search him out. You have to seek him, meaning you have to not assume you know what God thinks on something. You know, there's a lot of people that assume certain things are in Scripture, and they're not. There's things that people assume are Bible verses, and they're not. But you know what? God is very knowable according to Scripture. He has revealed himself to us. He has demonstrated who he is. Because you know what? Fear is fear is a response to that revelation. We find out something about God, it causes us to fear, which brings us into knowledge, wisdom, instruction, and understanding, so that we would do and make the right choices, so that when something happens and we realize there's a great consequence at stake, we will turn and we will purpose to serve God with our life, and we will only fear Him, and we will serve Him and Him alone. That's the purpose of fear. That's what it's supposed to be in our life. This is the, this is what we do. Fear is a response to revelation. It's becoming aware of a circumstance, a situation, or or there's some sort of a realization that happens. You ever been scared by somebody? You know those people that pull the pranks and try to scare people. Yeah. Not not always a wise decision. Not always a wise decision. Uh, the, the, the one that I always uh, like is the guy that was hiding in the the recycle bin at a college, and he pops out with a werewolf mask and and tries to scare this guy. And this guy, instant reaction, just punches him in the face. And the guy goes down and he goes back down in there, and the lid just closes back over him. <laughs> I mean, of course, the guy realized afterwards what had happened, but, you know, the instinct is something's there. His instinctive response was he just goes and bam, I mean, just right square in the face, and the guy just goes down. I'm like, deserved it. Deserved it. Come on. It, but you know what, he, what happened? There was a revelation. You know what the revelation was? There was somebody hiding in a recycle bin. There was something that was hiding in a recycle bin that had a scary face. The face instantly responded as, as, as that, that's a threat. Or, you know, that's how the mind responded. It's a threat. To, it's how it responded to that face. It's a threat. It jumps up and goes, rah, makes a noise in aggression. It's a threat. And the body went, respond accordingly. Pop. Down he goes. Fear is that response. Something happens in our life, we are going to respond in a certain way. And fear is often associated with it. So here's the, here's the question. When a revelation of who God is and his holiness and his righteousness is revealed to us, how do we respond? We respond with fear. We step back and we go, okay, 
I am now aware of God, what you don't want in my life. And I am going to respond accordingly because I don't want the wrong consequence to be in my life. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. The reason that people go through and reap some things that they really don't like is because they made a choice to not fear God. Because when the revelation came, they ignored it. They ignored it. You know, fear has to be learned. Over in the book of Deuteronomy, it says, at least in three different places, that it says, learn the fear of the Lord. It's not just going to happen. It's something you learn. And what is learning? Knowledge, wisdom, and instruction. And what happens when we learn about who God is, that's when fear comes about. So it is something that we choose. It's something that we learn. You know, even even under Old Testament law in Leviticus chapter 19, there's several passages that deal with the fear of the Lord. And he talks about it. Turn there very quickly with me in Leviticus 19. I want to show you something. And it was pointing out very specifically um, <clears throat> this issue of uh, uh, of how people respond personally. In Leviticus chapter 19, <clears throat> In Leviticus chapter 19, I want you to take a look at a couple of passages here real quick. In, in, in verse 14. Leviticus 19, 14. Uh, what does he say right there? Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. I am the Lord. God doesn't want you tripping a blind person. It doesn't want you talking bad about somebody that can't hear it. That's personal conduct. Oh, so God does care about personal conduct. Absolutely. Absolutely. And people that, 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 that do those things, they don't fear God. They don't think God is the Lord. That's the problem. Take a look at verse 32. <clears throat> Jump down here a little bit further. Verse 32. Thou shalt rise up, uh, before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. It's talking about respecting somebody that's got whiter hair. Just going to say that. <laughs> you know, as you progressively get older, hopefully there's more wisdom, there's more knowledge that's there, and, and specifically in, in light of God. Now look, God does understand that, uh, that, that somebody that is aged can also be very foolish. But what we learn from this is this understanding that, hey, if there's somebody that is honor, that you're honoring them, you're preferring them, that, that, that you are the person, if you will, that stands up and, and does something to help, that's the right thing to do. This is personal conduct. And he, what does he tie it with? The fear of the Lord. He says, I am the Lord. He reinforces that and says, I'm giving you this commandment. And by the way, in case you need to know who the authority is that's giving it, it's me, it's me, it's God, it's I am the Lord. Do it. Do it. And we begin to realize that, that, that it starts dealing with how others are treated. It leads us to service oriented. Turn to Deuteronomy. 
the book of Deuteronomy. This is why uh, fearing God is so important. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I mean, Deuteronomy 6 is a go-to chapter. Uh, It's got a lot of, man, there's a lot of great principles in Deuteronomy 6. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, I want you to, 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 to look at verse 1, and he says, Now these are the commandments, uh, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that you mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all the statutes and commandments which I commanded thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and all the, and, and that uh, thy days may be prolonged. The, here he's giving a promise. He's saying, look, here's what I want you to do. You do this, you fear me, you're going to live long in the land. I mean, this is a principle. He's teaching a consequence. He's teaching a consequence. Now we jump down here to verse 13, and he says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and swear by his name. He lumps these two together here with service and fear of God. He does this in another place. He does it in chapter 10 and in verse 20, the same thing. We find that that's exactly what Samuel was talking about over there in 1 Samuel chapter 12, where he said, only fear the Lord. And he says, you need to, you need to serve him and serve him alone. So what the fear of God does when we receive a knowledge of who he is and we begin to develop that fear that we respond accordingly because we understand the consequences and we want to make sure that the consequences come out the right way, then what we do is we realize that in order to do that, I have to serve him a certain way. I have to serve him a certain way. And the one thing that I know about service throughout Scripture is it is not self-oriented. It's not self-serving. The fear of the Lord is not self-serving. Now look, it does say specifically, it will do you good when you fear the Lord, but it's not, you're not doing it for a self-serving thing. You're not doing it for that motive. You're doing it for something else. Turn over to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19. We're going to take a look at some three passages in Psalms. And then we're going to wrap this up. But in Psalm chapter 19, I want you to jump down there to verse 9. It says, the fear of the Lord is clean. You know what the fear of the Lord will never involve? Sin. Iniquity. Trespass. Transgression. Evilness. You can't do right by doing what is wrong. Now that may seem like something that is... um, dare I say, simplistic in nature. But many people try to do the wrong thing in order to do that which is right. Fear of the Lord is clean. It's clean. When you fear God, you'll walk out the same way. Clean. You don't fear God, 
you're going to get dirty really quick. It says the fear of the Lord <clears throat> is clean, enduring forever. Want to know how to go through the hard times? Fear God. It says the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. He just even provides more support. He says, here's why. Because they're true and righteous. What God does and what God's judgments calls his decisions, his choices, they're always going to be for what is truthful, what is honest, what is righteous, what is the right way. It's always going to be that. So when we realize that that's what it means to fear the Lord, we are looking for Him and His righteousness in this. We, as fear of the Lord, we want God to reveal His righteousness to us over and over and over again through Scripture and through what we do in our day-to-day decisions so that we would understand who He is better and we become more aware of how we can make the right decision to choose to serve Him. That's what fear really does in our Christian life. Take a look at chapter 25 of the book of Psalms. Chapter 25. Psalm chapter 25 and and take a look at verse 12. I want you to see what it produces. In verse 12 it says, What is man, excuse me, what, what man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he should choose. You fear God, God will teach you what right decisions to make. You fear him, he will teach you the right decisions. Sometimes you ever wonder about what it, you know, what decision you should make in your life? Start off by asking, okay, does this really truly fear God? Am I allowing him to reveal himself in my life that I would choose the right path and the right one that is according to his word and according to his will that is going to be very clearly establishing the purposes of my heart to please him and to honor him and to do his will? But take a look at what he says here in verse 13. When you do that, his soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth. You want to know why some people are just so uncomfortable sometimes? Why they just seem to not have rest in this life? They don't fear God. They fear man. They fear themselves. They fear the circumstances. They fear the problems. They, 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 they fear fear. <laughs> I mean, you begin to realize that there's no ease with this. And when we think of fear and ease together, we don't necessarily think of them in the same way. But when we begin to really truly see what the definition is, where it is an awareness that is that causes us to know that there's a consequence, and it could mean a lot. And it does mean a lot to the Lord. When we choose to do what He wants, what He desires. Turn to one final passage in Psalm chapter 34. Psalm chapter 34. In Psalm chapter 34 and in verse 11 here again, and, and, and I like this passage. I preached on it before because it's, it's just good. 
It's good. In, in verse 11, it says, Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Every single parent should be able to do that. Next week is Father's Day. Every single parent should be able to teach the fear of the Lord to their child. Come, you children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. You know what else that goes for? That goes for every man and woman that is in this church. We should be able to teach the young ones that we see around us what fearing God really means. What is that? Here he tells us. Here he's going to teach us in verse 12. What man is he that desireth life and loveth uh, many days that he may say good? You want to see, you want to see a good long life? You want to, you want to make sure that your life isn't one that is lived with misery and regret? Here you go. Verse 13. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Wow. Doesn't that sound a lot like James chapter three? You want to be a perfect man? Learn to control your tongue. Here he is talking about the fear of the Lord. He says, here's what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is when you realize that when you open your mouth, God writes it down. That that should have just caused a little bit of terror in your heart. When you realize that God writes down every, he says, every idle word is taken into account. Every idle word. That includes the ones that bounce around inside our skull. That should have inspired a little bit of terror. That should have revealed to you, God's very serious about this. And it should, if you will, move you and motivate you to make sure your thought life and your words are pleasing to Him and Him alone. Not man, but to God. And here in verse 14, what else does he say? He says, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. He says right there, I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. Watch what you say and watch what you do. Like, is it that simple? Yes. Watch what you say and watch what you do. And above all, seek peace. Seek that with God. Seek that with people. Seek that in your life. And you realize it will draw you nearer and nearer to the Lord because He alone is the Prince of Peace. There is peace brought by none other than Jesus Christ. We have to understand that. And that changes us. It changes us. You know, a knowledge of the Lord, His will, His desires, His ways, His words, it produces that awareness that we were just talking about. And that awareness affects our heart to do what is right according to God, not according to us. And what it causes us to do is it causes an understanding that there's a consequence of each action, word, and thought 
that will come to fruition. And that is fear of the Lord. Let me put it into practical application and I'll be done. Before you open your mouth, can you, with a sh- without a shadow of a doubt, say to God what you're about to say would please Him? That's the consequence we're going for. If it doesn't, then maybe we should not say it. Is the thought that we entertain in our head, if that was to be displayed and we were to stand in front of God and it's there on the TV screen and God sees that, which he does, could you say that pleases him? If not, that thought needs to be brought in captivity and it needs to be thrown away. We've got to get to this point of where we realize that the fear of the Lord is where we begin to truly start serving God in reality. In actuality. In our Christian life. Fear of the Lord is not some mysterious thing. The fear of the Lord, that fear motivates us to do what is right to please our Savior. That is the fear of God. Very different sermon, I know, this morning. Definitely more of, if you will, a kind of a study. But it's something that I think that a lot of Christians struggle with. And it's something that we as believers really, truly have to get, we have to get a grasp on it. We get a hold of this as believers, it will change our lives. It will mold us and shape us into the vessels that God wants us to be. It will fill us with what God wants to pour out of us. And it will very clearly give you a peace that passes all understanding which I know so many Christian desires to receive. Only fear God. Let's stand for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again that we have this time, Lord, to, to seek your word, to truly seek what you have for us in this life. And Lord, I just pray that as we think on this, what we saw in your word, what this fear is about, that Lord, we would take this and we would endeavor to please you with all that we do. Lord, again, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for those that are here. May we truly meditate on this, Lord, not to just think about it, And toss it around inside of us. But Lord, to think, meditate, and to do your will. Thank you again for this time, Lord. 
thank you again for all you've done for us. I thank you for the salvation that only comes through your shed blood and the power of your resurrection. May we never forget that, Lord. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.